Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Surge. So excited today, we have the head coach at the University of Washington Huskies, Mike Hopkins, in his second year there, longtime assistant coach in waiting at Syracuse with the great Jim Beheim. They developed one of the premier basketball programs in the country with the Big East uh, and then had a tremendous opportunity to become a head coach a little earlier because Coach Beheim is an absolute legend and he's like father time. He is coaching and loves coaching and will probably still coach for another 10 years at Syracuse. He is phenomenal. And Mike had an opportunity to, out of nowhere to go to the University of Washington and uh, with a great athletic director, Jim Cohn, and uh, get an opportunity to establish his own program, uh, not in the footsteps of Coach Beheim. And tried to talk to him in this podcast and get some answers on what it's like being with a legend, developing the great players that they had at Syracuse, but also what it's like to take over a program and establish your culture, hiring a staff, all those great things, going from a suggestion maker as an assistant to a decision maker as a head coach. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Mike Hopkins after this timeout. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you 
to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash inner zone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. And so excited today to have our guest, Mike Hopkins, the reigning Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Doesn't it feel good to be able to say you're a coach of the year, the first year you ever were a head coach? It just means that you're liked and you've got a really good staff. <laughs> well, that, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, uh, when I was working with UB at Atlanta Hawks, he was co- NBA coach of the year my first year. And I went to his press conference to hear what he said. And he had an amazing statement, which has stuck with me for, you know, for th- almost 40 years. And he said, uh, when you win coach of the year, it means the notoriety you get as a coach of the year is dictated by the execution of your players. And staff yeah. under pressure, it's yeah. pr- pretty good. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it, it's a it was a great honor, and our kids, you know, really bought into a new system, and mm-hmm. and I do I do believe those kids went out there and they executed, they played well, and you know, it was a great team effort, and the award was, you know, our staff is incredible. Now you went to Syracuse in about 1995, roughly, as far as that, my memory goes, and uh, to go there as an assistant, and then. Uh, you, you know, you guys with Bayheim have a ridiculous success. I mean, it's just, you know, premier programs in the East. And uh, through the, maybe at the time, the premier basketball conference in the country, the Big East. And when and then in 2015, uh, you were then made coach in waiting, correct? Yes. Yeah, I, I actually, it was interesting. I was actually coach in waiting in 2000. And I'm I'm gonna go with 2006. What? 2006, 2007, and uh, you know it was one of those uh, processes where they said I would take over when Jim Beheim had retired, right? When he would retire, but there was never a set date. Uh-huh. In 2015, um, they had made a set date, uh, which would have been three years. It would have been uh, 2018, uh, which this year would have been the first year. Now. And, and we know Bayheim's going to coach about ten more years right now. <laughs> <laughs> he should. He's amazing. He's he's phenomenal, and he's he's ageless and timeless, and and yeah. whatever the hell that means. But he's he's just incredible, and he is Mister Syracuse, right? From playing there and everything, uh, fifty plus years, I believe, right? No question. As a player no and coach, um, what is it first like to work for a legend? You know what? It was amazing. Now, I, I, I came there actually as a player in 1989, and I was there for five years as a player, red shirt, played for him, went for a couple of years, tried to play, got fired more times than Colonel Sanders trying to sell the recipe. And, uh, you know, ended up, you know, he, he brought me back. And, um, you know, like you said, I was there for, for 22 years. And when you work for a legend, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, to, 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 to all the lessons. And so, uh, you, you saw not only the work ethic, but the simplicity, the genius. And you saw it, I saw it evolve, not only as a player, but I, I saw it evolve all the way from a player to a coach. And he just kept getting better. Hmm. And for me, it was like an incredible lesson to, you know, one of our, our culture pieces that our, our program is always moving forward. And, he was a genius basketball coach. You saw the evolution of practice. We stopped doing shoot arounds. You stopped doing these different things and you just see him cutting the fat. And I always say it's like a ribeye steak and you're trying to make it a filet mignon. You know, you're slicing it over here, slicing it over here. So I was really, really lucky to, to be with him for so many years, uh, to see, uh, the evolution, the growth and the simplicity. And that basically became the genius, in my opinion, of Jim Beheim. You know, I coached uh, one of the best players, I think, at Syracuse. When I was coaching the Nets with Chuck Daly, we had Derek Coleman oh, yeah. as a second-year player. And uh, as I tell people, uh, we're very proud of it. Uh, and uh, to this day, he's one of my dearest friends, uh, is that, you know, he came in and that, that was the time we had Carl Malone and Barkley were the two best power forwards in the league. Sure. And, and, and we had just – actually, when we took the job, we had just come back from coaching a dream team in 92. And so that was our first year with Derek. And so 
we were playing some games, and we got a nice little team. We got Kenny Anderson's like a first-year player. We got Drazen Petrovic is a great shooter oh, yeah. from Croatia. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, DC has a, a breakout game, and all of a sudden Chuck says to him, you're the third best power forward in the NBA, but you will be the best if you just trust me. I love it. And, 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 and it was like, you know, I'm, you know, you wait, you wait for these moments in coaching where like guys get it. And there's, there's like eight words and DC got it. And I remember one night we're playing against Barkley and the guys got 38 and 19. <laughs> and, and, and Chuck said, I told you. And that's all he said. I told you. <laughs> you know. I told and, you so. Yeah, I mean like that, you know, and and, and, and you know, and, and it's just amazing and, and Derek had it all. But you had so many, so many great players at Syracuse. First of all, tell me and, and again I grew up in Jersey, so I know Syracuse. So many of our kids, friends from high school just went there as students from uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. And how do you recruit players to this place that is like Alaska? It's when the best, biggest snow belt in the, in the U.S. almost. And yet, the, you know, I'll let you tell why. But how do you get all these great players? And you got guys from the West Coast. You had guys from everywhere. How did that happen? Well, you know what was interesting is even when I had been recruited uh, to Syracuse out of high school, um, you know, back gosh going back I was the class of 88 in high school it was you know I, I the Big East basketball uh, ESPN um, you know we, we it was this West Coast kid who yeah. watched uh, it was 7 o'clock game it was 4 o'clock West Coast I'm watching Pearl versus Patrick Ewing and Dick Vitale's doing the game yeah. and there's 30,000 fans and I remember Patrick Ewing shooting a foul shot, and all of a sudden, from the third deck, an orange <laughs> is thrown from the third deck, and it splatters in the back of the backboard. And it was the intimidation. It was like WWF, you know, yeah. uh, world wrestling. Uh, the 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 characters, Coach Massimino running all over the place. Louis Carnesecca, Coach Thompson. It was it was it was just incredible. These characters, these coaches, these players, and. It was just an ESPN, and so I fell in love with it. And so uh, that being said, I feel like the Big East Conference was so hot during a certain point of branding and marketing that when I got into coaching, it was like – it was real simple. It was like, do you want to play in the best league? Do you want to play in a in a, in a 30,000-seat arena? And there's only – in the greater Syracuse area, I think there's only 250,000 people, and you're wow. getting thirty over 30-plus 30 thousand fans to games in the middle of January. It doesn't matter how many feet of snow it, are on the ground. It doesn't matter, yeah. and, and, they're, and the parking's awful. So people are walking up with <laughs> their coats and their Sorrel boots, walking up these, these, these roads uh, to see the orange. And then, hey, better yet, it's a great university, and then you get to play for a legend uh, that produces yeah. a lot of NBA players. And so it was a real, real simple formula. And, uh, you know, I think you know, it just became national. It wasn't regional anymore. So when you were recruiting, uh, you know, you it seemed like Syracuse to me even – you know, you know, towards the end of your time there, you know, two thousands, you were almost New York City's team. St. John's was in the city, but when Syracuse played in the Garden, that place was rocking with Syracuse fans, right? You know what, Coach? It was unbelievable. I mean, it would be a home game. We would play St. John's, and it would be "Let's Go Orange," and the place would be just booming. And you know what, though, that was a lot of places. A lot of Central New Yorkers would, uh, you know, they would move to Charlotte, North Carolina. They'd move to uh, Florida. I mean, we played, we played Miami one year, and uh, Chris Caputo, who's a good friend and assistant yeah. coach, comes up to me. He goes, "Geez, we got to change our our ticket policy. This is like a home game for you guys." No, that, that's, and so yeah, it just became great. like this this brand, this fandom. And I really think it really stems from ESPN in the beginning of the Big East. Now, uh, you had, as you mentioned, a lot of pro players come at it, a lot of great guards. Uh, tell me about some of the great players that you coached at Syracuse. 
Oh, geez. Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to yeah. go back to the, the one of the great players that I was able to play with. Actually, play with. I actually didn't play that year, my redshirt year, but actually worked in practice every day against him. And he was just incredible with Sherman Douglas. He was yeah. the ultimate leader, competitor, not highly rated, but he was so good and uh, so tough and such smart. a great leader. He was a smart pro. You know, just knew how to play. Yes, yeah, and and it was about winning. Uh-huh. It was. I remember always just remember he was just so competitive. We played Dana Barrows. Yeah, uh, when he played at, at Boston BC, College, and yeah. it was just like he was on a, an attack mission. <laughs> he he was just a relentless attacker. Uh, but so many great guards. Geez, I was really fortunate when I got into coaching uh, to see so many guys uh, from Johnny Flynn to Dion Waiters. Uh, Scoop Jardine, um, you know, Tyler Ennis came through the ranks, Michael Carter Williams. Wow. Um, there's been so many great guards and, and the guy who I, I, you know, those who I coached, uh, Sherman Douglas, who I played with and the guy that I think really built the brand originally, who was my idol and imagine a suburban white kid yeah, from I, Laguna Hills, I know California, who you're going to say coming back at four o'clock in the afternoon getting a ball, jumping over my fence and going on the circular court and envisioning that I am Pearl Washington. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. The kid I, from mean, I mean, come yeah, on, Coach. Brooklyn, I mean, Pearl yeah. Washington. He was worldly. He wasn't just big. He was like, you know, to this day, parents that I recruit kids from, it's the Pearl. It's the Pearl. And mm-hmm. So just so lucky to be exposed to all these great players. You know, I, I was, I think, working for the Knicks as GM and uh, – you know, we had the Big East tournament in the Garden, so that was probably the only perk of being there for the Knicks during that period. Was I got to, <laughs> I got to go down and sit in my nice seats, and and I go there to see like a I don't know what what, what it was. You remember it clearly? I don't know if it was a twelve noon game or a two o'clock oh, game. Yeah. It was the six freaking overtime game mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. McNamara, and maybe the best college game I've ever seen in my life. It was uh, it was incredible, and when you, when you're playing the game, and you're seeing two heavyweight programs, two heavyweight coaches that are as competitive as competitive can be in a garden where at that time Connecticut it was probably a fifty fifty split in terms of fandom. They, at they that had great game. fans, yes. The big fan. I mean, it's it's as good a rivalry as good as I mean every. Every ingredient of the best tiramisu you possibly could have is in that arena. And it's just knockout blow after knockout blow. And the funny thing in that game is we never led in any of the overtimes until the last overtime. So you were playing from behind. You were playing in the sand trap in golf. You were constantly playing from behind. And to see it over and over, and now you got walk-ons coming in the game. Guys are fouling out. And uh, I just remember the feeling of winning that game, the exhaustion, but the also the exhilaration of the fans. And uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. And we had a guy, Johnny, it was Johnny Flynn. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Flynn, this is a, a quick story, but we're at the uh, the Marriott, the 48th in Lexington. Uh, and there, it's a kind of like a U shape. So I'm in my room. We're, 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 we get back at, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning. We're watching film for the next game. Johnny can see he's like four, four stories higher looking into our room. He calls me. He goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm watching film for the next game. He goes, do you know who just called me? I go, who? He goes, the king. I go, the king who? He goes, LeBron. He had just watched the game. How about? Because, because Johnny was at that at the you know at the Nike Skills Academy and right. you know all that stuff before, so it was just one of those games that was epic, uh, and to be a part of it and then to come out with a win it was incredible. You know, talk about you know. So I, I remember also I'm going to before we leave Syracuse, one of the really cool things that uh, has evolved in USA basketball. Kind of when we had the team, we were the first ninety two. <laughs> there was there was. The head coach of the team, Chuck Daly, he didn't even have a vote who was on the team. <laughs> That's how different it was. They told him who was on. We're world champs, and, and they tell him Isaiah can't be on the team. Dumars can't be on the team. The greatest rebounder and defensive player, Rodman, he can't be on the team. They don't want none of our guys on the team, but they want Chuck the coach. And and and, and so, 
you know, we don't have a tryout. We don't have a camp. They they named the players over a year ahead of time, which was a disaster mm-hmm. because a third of the team got hurt. And then yep. a couple of them, frankly, regressed, you know. Sure. And so, you know, it was a really bad thing. But by the time that you guys got involved with USA Basketball and, you know, with Bayheim assisting Coach K, which I thought was brilliant on both parts, I, you know, they allowed the staffs of Duke and Syracuse to come and assist. And frankly, I went to the workouts many times in Vegas, and you guys were doing a lot of the teaching and the drill work. And I thought, tell me about how invaluable that was in your in your professional coaching development. Well, it was another thing. I obviously I worked for Jim Bayham, who's a legend, an incredible coach, and uh, you know, being able to 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 go out there originally and and be a part of it. And just to see the build, you know, to see Jerry Colangelo building this mm-hmm. organization, first of all, and then seeing Coach K and his staff build uh, this standard of excellence for their team. And it was really just incredible. And it started being a court coach, as you know, court coaches. Uh, you know, Coach Behan brought out one of his assistants, which was me. Coach K brought out uh, Johnny Dawkins and um, – a couple of his assistants, uh, Coach D'Antoni brought in Coach Gentry. They, they you know that original year, and we, you know, they were implementing systems. And so you're you're coaching, you're doing individuals, you're doing that stuff. And as it progressed, I was really lucky to be added to the staff in 2010 uh, in the World Championships in Turkey, and and that's where you know you're in the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, seeing how decisions are being made and why and a building of a team not just maybe the best players, but the best team uh, to represent the United States. And um, it was just incredible uh, to learn not only from one of the great coaches, if not the greatest coach of all time in Coach K, but uh, I was exposed to Nate McMillan and Coach D'Antoni and uh, Tom Thibodeau and Mm. Monty Williams. I mean, it was just like this world of basketball. And to be able to learn – uh, I had I was really fortunate at one dinner. I mean, at dinners you you learn oh. so much. I mean, it was like it could be over a bottle of wine or a fish dinner or somewhere in Barcelona. But I remember going. I I, I got to meet Coach Popovich for the first time, and I was just like in awe, you know. Sure. And I and I went up. I said, I said, Coach, I said, can you recommend me three books to read? And he's like, you know what? What are you? What are you into? And I was like, well, I'm just, I just like to read, and maybe some influential books, and why? And I'm telling you, Coach, I get back. We get back. I, I get a congratulatory letter for uh, being part of the Olympic team and, and winning, and then an outline of 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 three books and why they're important. Whoa! No, are you kidding me? And I walked out of there, and it's just like it's just like Coach K. He, he'll write individual letters. There's something about them. Not only are they great coaches, but great people that really care deeper than just the basketball side. And so there were so many lessons. Obviously, basketball, you learn so much. Uh, but that life side, the people side, the personal side, the organizational side is what really, really helped me uh, with this job here. You talked about the brilliance of Jerry Colangelo, and I think it it was the way he organized and ran the business of USA Basketball. But one of the things I think they did that was also equally brilliant was the idea of having selecting about 30 players as a pool to basically almost what we would call try out. And these guys had never tried out in their life for anything they've always been if they think about it Mike, that's right you're they, right they, you're right they're always the best guy okay they're on the team and who else right they've never tried out now all of a sudden you tell them you're not on the team you're in they're begging to be in the 30 invited yeah. to camp and then man when you had to finally whittle down to 12 players before you'd go to competition you're talking about think about some of the players during your tenure that didn't make the team it's frightening. I mean, we're it's, talking about yeah. first team, you know, all NBA players did make teams. Sure. I think Lord, I don't know if Lord's ever made a team, Damian Lord. Um, 
you know, who's obviously spectacular Incredible. player. You know, but the the number of players that, especially guards, that haven't made it, I think is just amazing. But I think it's really taken the game and really helped our men's and women's programs to do this. And also it helps in case of injuries, of course. I, I think it was, you know, I saw it. I saw the collateral effect. Like it, it was, it was. When I say collateral, I mean like I was Coach Beheim. I coached the the eighteen and under U.S. basketball team, uh, however many years ago, and I was fortunate enough to be a court coach in that. And you saw, I mean, there was high school players that wanted didn't want to go play for USA basketball because they didn't want to miss their AAU season. And so what, what, what Jerry Colangelo, Mr. Colangelo and Coach K and them did is when they built that, the standard and, and not just the U.S. team, uh, the national team, but they built the national program. Yes. And to see the youth kids, now you start having these pools and even the NBA guys, like you were saying, so many great players that didn't make it, but it, it became, I always say it's like Studio 54. You know, there's only 200 people. There's only 200 people in the club, and there's 3,000 people waiting outside. <laughs> and and it just became this. They they've created a brand of of a standard of that people want to be a part of. That's and now you see USA basketball for kids. I mean, from the gear to what they want to getting invited to making calls. Can you can you help us get in? Can you help us get? In? I'm like, no. They have a policy. They have a system. But but it's become the thing, and that's. Uh, you know, you got to really give uh, you know a lot of that to to Jerry Colangelo, Sean Ford, and their staff. Oh, they have a great staff, Jim Tooley and those guys. Oh, Jimmy, yeah, you no know, question. They're, they're tremendous and stuff. Now, let's. So you're coaching, waiting. You're at one of the elite programs ever in college basketball, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Certainly in modern day basketball, and now all of a sudden, you're playing in the NCAA tournament, and the phone rings with an AD on the phone wanting to talk to you. If you can, walk us through what you can about how, and how hard it was for you to to leave a place that you loved and was such a big part of your life since it's your alma mater to consider even going somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I, I had gone probably the last five years that I was at Syracuse. I just kind of came, Started getting into books, Eckhart Tolle, spiritual meditation, what's important in life, family, uh, you know, love coaching, love where I'm at. And I just, you know, being with USA Basketball and exposed to that, I was really good friends with Chris Collins and Wojo and Jeff mm-hmm. Cable and these guys. Tremendous and, guys. Uh, you know, and you're going and I saw, you know, Chris Collins take the Northwestern job. And it was kind of like... You know, he's got this job and they've never been in the tournament and now he's, he's doing something so special. And I remember watching him going in and he's jumping with his team and, and, uh, you know, he, he did it. And, um, and I was, to be honest with you, I was, I was so happy for him, but envious for that experience and that feel. And, uh, I started getting to that, you know, do I want to protect something that has been built and I'm so proud of? Or do you want to go out and try to build something? And so in my mind, I had always thought that I, I could leave, but it would have to be for the right place and the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt like whoever the AD would be or your boss, and you know, their, how their values are, those are the things that are important to me. And so I'd interviewed multiple times in multiple places and uh, never had that feel, um, you know, that really great feel of like, wow. Um, I always say it's like meeting your wife, you know, you just know I, I'm going to marry that girl one day. And, um, and so I, I was going through that back and forth and, um, we weren't actually in the NCAA. We were, uh, we actually were in the NIT oh, and, um, okay. and so that this year, uh, and so I get a call, uh, from my agent and he says, uh, you know, well, let me ask you a question, Mike. He goes, would, would Washington ever? appeal to you um you know would, would that happen you know and you know my father grew up in laurelhurst uh went to roosevelt high school went to university of washington my mom was born in seattle my mentor tim gergerich i had 
when I first got my, my cut my teeth, I was coming up here and visiting him when they were the Supersonics were rolling. Yeah. So you saw the fandom, you saw the the place, you see the type of great talent that they have in the area, and had the opportunity to get on with Jen Cohen on the phone uh, for the first time, and we just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, and it was it was really amazing, and then it became real really fast. And, uh, my wife and I sat one night and she was like, gosh, you know, you always talked about these were the important things that person you want to work for and the, the school and all these different things. And to be honest with you, I was scared. I mean, I was comfortable at Syracuse and it was unbelievable. And I'd been there for so long. And my wife said, I've never heard you talk about, you know, an AD or a person like you talk about Jen. And she goes, let's do it. Wow. And literally, it was so quick and so fast. I actually signed the deal on a Friday. We played Old Miss on a Saturday because I didn't want to. It was in my heart that it's what I wanted in the field. I didn't want to get talked out of it. And so signed it. And then, you know, going in that day, I knew I was leaving the place. And, I, you know, it was kind of like, is this my last time ever in the Dome? So it was really emotional, really great. But also so enlightening and and i was alive you know i got this jolt of mm. you know fight or flight type of deal <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> uh, and 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 so exciting and it's just been and and this experience coach and i know i'm rambling no don't. but it's 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 been it's even better than i ever dreamed of you know i think uh you know i i think one of the most important things when you've been a long-time assistant and never, let's say, been a head coach, the apprehension you have is now being in charge of that room. And what did, what were, what were, and this is important, I think, for so many of our listeners, because we obviously sure. we have a ton of assistants. Yeah. As assistant coaches, we sure. are famous for making great suggestions have only made a few bad ones, right? In my 45 years of coaching. <laughs> uh, but now we've never really made too many decisions, right? And so those 18 inches that you move over, what is that like? You know, I, I always, I, 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 I think the biggest challenge is, you know, um, I, the biggest challenge is not the basketball part. I think the basketball part, I had read a great book about Pete Carroll. And he talked about his experience about being the Seahawks coach. And after he got, uh, actually, actually, after he got fired in the NFL, and he says, assistant coaches, like, you know, you're about to be a head coach and you've got all these different schemes that you want to do defensively, offensively. Mm-hmm. And there's a thousand different things. And it almost became more confusing. And he said, I had to really write down what I value. And basically, I forget who his mentor, Monty Kiffin was his mentor. And he says, write down your philosophy in six sentences. Wow. And so for me, I kind of went through the same thing. But I also went back to being lucky enough to work for a guy for so many years where I went and brought a system that was tried and true over time. Yes. And so I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. I tried to make the wheel that we had stronger and better and put my stamp on it. And that goes back to practice, to management, to that. And I took so many experiences. And so to all the assistant coaches out there that are, you know, might go through this, it's really write down, have a journal. What's important to you? How do you want to run your, your, you know, what's your philosophy academically? Hmm. Uh, those were the things, uh, management wise, budget wise. The basketball piece is easy. Yeah, it's getting, it's being able to put down all the different areas of your organization or what's so important, and then get everybody on the same page, going in the same direction. And my management style is inspire people and manage process, and allow them to grow. And so for me, um, you know, it, it was I, I had been visualizing in my mind because I'd been named the next head coach for 10 years. I felt like it could happen any day. Sure. And so I was always preparing, scared to death, <laughs> but always preparing in my mind, always trying to get better. 
and always really coming to that answer of what would I do academically? How am I going to have aligned operations with the community and with the athletic department? And so those were the areas that I really tried to focus on and get better at. And those are the things I think for young coaches, because it's not just basketball, you're actually running a company. Now, when you're, when you're at Syracuse and now you're the coach in waiting mm-hmm. and, and again, you know, not not at all putting words in your mouth, Mike. But you know, you kind of know, uh, God. You know, if Jim had said, "Hey, I'm out. See it later," uh, you're taking over. Pretty much, the guys on the staff are now going to slide right in with you, and you added one more person, let's say. Sure. But now you're going from Syracuse, New York, to Seattle, Washington, and now the the biggest and most crucial step as a head coach, and you and I have discussed this, is a staff around you. How did you go about that process? Well, that's another interesting thing because uh, (laughs) no one on our staff had ever worked together. Like I'd never worked with Cameron Dollar, Dave Rice, Will Conroy, or Jerry Hobby. How about that? And and so for us, it was kind of like, you know, like if I was the head coach at, say, uh, School A, and I got the job at School B, I would bring my whole entire staff. Gotcha how you operate, what are your systems, what are your recruiting systems, uh, you know, travel, uh, you know, philosophies, all these different things. And so, you know, the first guy I hired was Will Conroy. And I wanted somebody that was really strong in Seattle in terms of not only uh, great relationships, but I don't don't believe in in just hiring recruiters or guys. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hire great coaches. Um, And great coaches... Uh, and great workers will be great recruiters. And, you know, they just, they, they just, you know, a friend of mine says, don't hire your friends, hire the best people for the job and they'll become your friends quickly. <laughs> and so a and I man. had a wise you know, man said that, I guess. wise man. And so I, I went and uh, Will Conroy, I didn't know him. Uh, I researched him. Uh, I knew his background. He was doing individual instruction with NBA players. He was a basketball guy who loved being in the gym, loved helping kids get better. And he is loved at the University of Washington in this, in this, in this Seattle area. And so there was, you know, I, I picked up a, I picked up some platinum, you know, and I put it in my pocket. I just knew he's just a stu- superstar. And then uh, unfortunate for Cameron Dollar, but fortunate for us and me. Uh, Seattle University had just let go of Cameron Dollar, right. who was not only a national champion as a, as a, as a player at UCLA, uh, but was was on Coach Romar's staff when they had so much success. We had been we knew each other. We had spoken to each other multiple times because they were trying to implement the zone at Seattle U. And high character guy, great basketball coach, great family man. Yeah, great. And great basketball I was just, fan. Uh, yeah, and yeah. he just, and, and so I was just lucky. I mean, so much of this stuff, I really believe in a spiritual sense that the man upstairs was just putting people in place for me. Not only this job uh, with Jen Cohen and this incredible opportunity where my father was from, and so and so, and the timing, Will Conroy, and then Cameron Dollar, and then. I was, you know, Dave Rice, a mentor of mine, was Coach Gergerich, who coached him at UNLV, who had had head coaching experience, and everywhere he's been, he's won. And uh, and then Jerry Hobby, who you probably know, Cody, well. you know, the shot doctor, Ernie Hobby, from years with no, Hubie Brown. No, I know Brown. very well, too, from SMU. And, and all. Yeah. yeah, and Jerry was at, at SMU and uh, worked with Larry, and just, like, just a, you know, gosh, I, I was just, I put myself around great people, great coaches, and they're all unique and different, but I'm going to share one story that two of the guys, Dave and Cam, had said to me when I asked them. The system that I wanted to have is what we had at Syracuse. Someone coaches the guards, someone coaches the forwards, and someone coaches the centers. Positional. Mm-hmm. And I go to Cam, and Cam was a great point guard. And I said, Cam, I said, who would you like to coach the guards, the forwards, and the centers? He says, Coach, give me whoever you want. I'll coach any of them. Dave Rice gets the job a week later. I said, Dave, who do you like to coach the guards? And I just, I was just asking. Sure. I'll coach any of them, coach. I can coach any of them. And so they were just team players, no egos. All they wanted to do is help us get better. And I, I tell you, I count my blessings every day because I surrounded myself with great people. 
And you made a great comment to me uh, last night. Uh, you'd love going to work every day because of the people you work with. Yeah, no question. I think that's so powerful because, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I think players have a great sixth sense. I, I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I got five dogs and, you know, they ha they understand when you're happy and when you're sad, and boy, yes, and, and the players can sense the same thing. Boy, they can sense if you're pissed off and stuff like that, and they also can sense when you love them. And yeah. I think that's so important. That you, and when you love coming to work, that means you're in a good mood, and then things get happening. Uh, you know, yeah. and they have that air of positivity around you and stuff. And I, I think that's so powerful. Give me your biggest takeaways from what you learned your first year as a head coach. I learned how to try to, you know, how to have balance. Um, you know, there's, you, you, when you're a competitor, all you want to do is, is, is win, don't sleep, you don't eat, you're just focused on what? Winning and, and, and getting it right. And I, that's where Dave and Cam have been great to me. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they've been able to, you know, those experiences as coach, your health is the most important thing and getting rest and we're good and, um, you know, I think that balance, uh, is just critical. You know, I like to use the word, uh, I worked with a coach for three or four years at Syracuse and he used to tell me, he's like, Mike, it's all about energy management. When you're at your best, you'll be able to coach at your best. And so, but that was the biggest challenge because if, I, if we ever struggled or I struggled as a player, I did what? I worked harder <laughs> mm -hmm. and I still work harder, but now I work smarter. That's that's so important, you know. Uh, you know there, uh, and, and again, whatever you do is fine. But there, I I I I deal with so many coaches in college basketball, and they'll tell me. I said, "What?" I always ask them, "What time do we get to the office every day?" He says, "Oh, I have my staff in there by seven thirty, and you know, and I'm right there with them." I said, "Well, how about if you play the night before?" Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, and. What we learned in the NBA because of back-to-back -back games is 82-game schedule plus playoffs is that rest is almost equally important. And so the beauty nowadays with technology is you can do so much of your work at home, frankly. No question. And as long as the office is covered, especially at collegiate basketball because, you know, stuff happens. You know, sure. So, you know, that, you know, the most important. And, and frankly, a lot of times when you go to the office, I find, you know, as a college coach, you get more distracted because Everyone wants to come by and poke their damn head <laughs> that in your is office. The truth, and make believe. Though. Hey, coach. Hey, how you doing? What are you doing? I, I was working on recruiting. I was working on a game plan for the next game. Yeah. Well, then they come in. They just put their feet down and they just want to, you know, talk to you and shoot the shit. And, and but you know what? It's, you can't do that. You know. And so sometimes, you know, it's, it's okay. I think to stay home because you don't have a normal nine to five. You know, no. the other day you're playing in Spokane, you know, you didn't get home at five o'clock that day. You, you probably came home about one or two in the morning, you know. That's right. Uh, right. That's and, right. And, and that's right. And you know what? Uh, the great, I, I always, Coach Bayheim had a great leadership style. And the one thing that he did, is, and, I, and I brought it here, is I want you to have a life. Hmm. And I want you to be with your family. That's and right. I want your families here. And, you know, the most important thing is I'm not a big meter. We, we meet, we, we can meet once, you know, after games, obviously we'll, we'll review, get better how practice is going to be this week. But I allow them to have the freedom to take their kids to school. Uh, so to, if they have it, if they leave early for practice because they've got to go watch their son or take their son, go. I used to remember coming back and I'd be so, I'm coming to, I'm going to be late for meeting because my son just got stitches and I just got, Coach Bam will go, hey, yeah, I could just go. <laughs> I'll see you back later. And there was, the, the, I, I always knew when questions had to be answered, what he wanted, at what times, and how to be prepared. But he allowed me to have the freedom to do it when I wanted to do it. But I knew the times, you know, I knew when he wanted it. And I always had it done. I always did it better. And I did it with loyalty and respect because of what he gave me. And that was the freedom, a chance to have a great life in a business that a lot of people don't. And I think there's value in that. There's no price tag in that. Well, you used the word. I think I was just going to mention it. I think he showed great respect. 
to yeah. you and to everyone on the staff. And, and it starts with a relationship and, and the relationship you had, not just as a player for him, but a, a coach for a long time, but there was so much trust there. Yeah. And, yes. and if you don't have those things, you don't have any of that. So that is so neat. Last year in your first year, you go and do something that really UW has never done and that you go and beat basically on the road. You know, when you play KU, when you play Kansas in Kansas City, that's a road game. You know, if it's not now on field, it still doesn't matter. And you beat them as the number two team in the country. What is that like for a first-year program for you to get you off on the right, you know, to get you going, so to speak? It, you know what? It was incredible because, you know, you're, you're implementing a new system. And, you know, we're, we're playing, you know, we're, we decided to exclusively go zone, give us something. Yeah. You know, we couldn't, didn't want to play traditional and what gave us kind of our own little swag and what can we hang our hat on. So we decided to do that. We went down to New York, lost to Providence, close game, and they got blown out by, um, by Virginia Tech. And we needed that game to validate what we're doing. Yeah. And also in recruiting, uh, when I got the job, you know, the, the, in Seattle, there, you know, I got had, I was lucky to have Will and, and, and Cam, but they're still going, who the hell is this Hopkins guy? Sure. You know, <laughs> and so no one really, you know, they won nine games with Markel Fultz the year before. Uh, they're not going to turn around. This is going to be a project. And so, you know, it was, it was, it, I don't really care about those things, but looking back, what it did was it gave more belief with the guys that you're coaching. It gave enthusiasm to, uh, the fan base and recruiting that what we're doing is, is, is good. It gave the students something to cheer about. It gave the community like, whoa, this thing is real. That is, that is. And so, and so there was just, it, it hit on so many different levels, emotionally, mentally. For us, we're just coaching, you know, we, and, and I'm going to tell you, coach, if I could tell any coach out there, you know, uh, a story, we go there the night before, Fran Fraschella's doing the game. Mm -hmm. We're doing a shoot around, a practice. It's the worst practice known to man. I was about to stop practice and have everybody run the steps of the whatever that we were in whatever i was just i was embarrassed you know like it's sure. like coach is looking at me and he's you know and, and i'm like you know my ego's involved like you know uh gosh that's bad coach must be just laughing over there and we come out we prepare him this and that and um we go out and we just play our best game of the year and and so so many times i think in coaching like our egos get involved where it's really, it's all about the players. I think sometimes people practice three hours because it's the coach that's insecure. Yes. It's not the player. And so you can't really, so I, and that's my Jim Bayheim, Jim, coach Bayheim. I literally, we had a, 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 just an okay practice before one of the games. And I was just like, let's just get through it. How they keep the rhythm, keep the focus, keep positive. We'll get through it. And then we come back and we play great. And so, um, don't get discouraged if you have a bad practice before a good game. How about that? So that will allow you to sleep at night. <laughs> How many times? Well, you didn't experience this. So, and and again, I've coached Syracuse players as we've talked about before. But when you have Beheim, basically was not a believer in shoot arounds, correct? For the most part, yeah, never, okay. never, never, right? And. I work for UB Brown, who's considered to be the ultimate X and O guy of all time, uh, big shoot around guy, and Fratello, huge shoot around guy. Mm -hmm. Chuck Daly, not at all important, not at all. He's he's like a better dressed Jim Byheim. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> <laughs> nice no offense, no offense, Jim. Uh, you know, great shoes. You know. A hundred freaking suits, you know, and and he got the hair fingers running through his hair a whole game, and, and you know what? And he just knew it was about where they rested and what they want to play, and yeah. and and I. So now, as that the expectations now, all of a sudden, you go to a new program, you must have the confidence to say, "I'm going to do what I believe in, not what everyone thinks I should do." So if you don't do a shoot around, it's because you know what you're doing correct yeah 
And you know what? I went with, I always go back. I always go back to your North stars, you know, mm-hmm. you go back to your compass. That's why if you have your values set, it makes decisions easy. If you know how you want to play, it's it, it, what really makes it good is your belief and your belief will be able to, to, you know, get with those guys, you know, that feel. And I was able to experience, it wasn't something that I read in the book and I tried. It was something that I saw over time and we had the best road record in the history of the Big East Conference. And it was funny as we started going with the no shoot around and we brought it here. Uh, you know, it's, it's it being with the USA basketball, you started to see that rest was being valued. And you said it earlier, rest was being valued. And, uh, you know, we obviously prepare them and we watch film and we go sure. through it, but we have them off their legs. Uh, we get them their rest and their sleep. And, uh, I think sometimes it's okay for the kids to sit there and say, gosh, you know what? I feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. They, they live a pretty stressful life, especially college student athletes. Sure. I think it's fantastic. I, I think it, but Michael, I am so happy for you, uh, having known you for so long, so happy that a, you got your shot and B you're knocking it out of the park and you're living in one of the great places in our country. Seattle, Washington is heaven. And, uh, and I, and I love it. So I'm really proud of you. And I continue to wish you the very best of luck and thanks for doing this. I know our coaches loved it. Well, Coach, I can tell you this. I think I'm honored to be a part of it, and you asking me, and the things, not only are you one of the great coaches to ever do it, but the give back that you're doing with these podcasts and just giving exposure to coaches all around the world, you're making the game better, and that's what this thing is all about. So we appreciate you, and thank you for all that you do for the game, for the coaches uh, you're a great role model and I can't wait to get you up here. So, you know, we can get a damn, uh, graduate school of basketball with Ooh, our staff. I'm intrigued already. I love that. And Chick-fil-A put a place in Bellevue. So you can take <laughs> me there for, so we can go there before it's right near your house. But Hey, I, I am so excited. I can't wait to come see you guys play and, uh, my continued success and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you, coach. Have a great one. Michael, thanks so much. That was terrific. Uh, follow the Washington Huskies. Great coach. Great program. And I think you're really going to see great things coming out of Seattle in the next years. Uh, just want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from our Coaching You family. And I can't wait to visit with you after the holidays. So this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.